I, uh, I'm not sure it gets a lot, a lot better than Whitney, so uh, I'm excited that you guys are here. Thank you for joining. Uh, thank you for everybody uh, that, that's streaming right now online, everyone that is tuning in, especially the Columbia folks. I'm not the normal face that you see, but thank you so much for being here. That, that means so much. And uh, I, hope, I hope things are well. I hope that, uh, that uh, you're staying safe this Valentine's weekend and that uh, we can talk a little bit about, about love. Uh, we're in a series right now called Melodia, and we're taking a different song genre, and we're kind of utilizing it to help us understand that lots of people grow up with different kind of music. They grow up with different kind of, of, of understandings, and they like different things. And so as a church, as we begin to continue to reopen, uh, the concept is that everybody has a different Melodia. Everybody has a different genre, a different worldview, a different way that they, that they see their life and the lives of others. And so we wanted to lean creatively into this space and ask ourselves, uh, how can we be respectful of other people's genres, other people's melodias, other people's worldviews? And, and we're doing that, uh, of course, in this uh, artistic and kind of fun way. So let me, uh, let me just ask right away, how many people, right, I haven't even asked it yet, so 
Those at home who are watching, uh, you can put your hands down, and, and there's a few folks uh, around here helping out that already raised their hands, so I got a feeling it's going to be a lot. How many people, uh, this is definitely your jam? Okay, okay. How many people, this is, this is not your jam? Okay, wow. There's some people in here who are like, absolutely not. I did not approve of Bodyguard. I did not like that movie. And I didn't Okay, fair enough. So that's good. That's good. Let me give you a little bit of history about the song. It's called I Will Always Love You. It was originally written and performed by Dolly Parton in 1974. It's a Dolly song. Uh, Whitney Houston covered the song for it to be featured in the 1992 motion picture The Bodyguard, which Houston starred in with Kevin Costner. The song stayed at number one in the U.S. for 14 weeks, a record at the time. It won the 1993 Grammy for Record of the Year and Best Female Pop Vocal Performance. The song, was also won, the song also won the 1992 Soul Train Music Award for R&B Song of the Year. To this day, I Will Always Love You holds the record for the most weeks at number one for a song that first appeared on a soundtrack. And The Bodyguard is the best-selling soundtrack of all time. The song returned to the top 10 of the Billboard Hot 100 singles chart following Houston's death in 2012. Uh, whether you love the song or the song was just okay, the, the idea behind the song is really powerful, that, 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 that someone will always love someone else. And so this, this Valentine's weekend, um, I thought that that's what we would talk about, because of course we are called as Christians to love each other, but it, it often can be a really hard thing to do all the time. And one might even say that, that God is the only person who really loves all the time. So what I want to do is I want to talk to you from two different perspectives about love. The first one is uh, what I want to call the Bible and love speaking to the internal. The Bible and love speaking to the internal. And I just want to take like eight or ten minutes and talk about just simply what the Bible says about love. About the way love kind of functions and about the way love operates and and just kind of give us a little bit of foundation as we approach spending time with other people that we're supposed to love so that we have some good biblical foundation. And then after that, I'm going to change it from the Bible in love to a human study on love, and I'm going to speak to the external, to the way we actually go about doing that in our lives, kind of bouncing off that foundation of the internal that we learned about from the Bible. So that's what we're going to dive into. First off, if anybody wondered, the Bible has a great deal to say about this topic. It, it's, just, it's just covered in it. It's just, it's drenched in it. And so it, it's amazing to me that so many people don't realize how much God loves them because I think that we focus on stuff inside the Bible that, that, that is, is, well, it's, it's not as easily understood as love because we've all had our hearts broken. We've all had relationships fail. And so when someone says, well, God loves you, the first thing that people do is like, yeah, I know all about that. I know all about love. I, I experienced love before. So if God loves me like I've experienced love, even if it's just, if the book is just littered with it, then, then I don't know if I want anything to do with it. And yet, it just keeps coming, page after page after page. First John 4, 7, and 8 says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because, and this is a profound cornerstone of Scripture, God is love. So see, the love you and I experience is, is 
is a version of love, and, it, and it's, it is good, and it's true. But when you start to really consider the idea that Scripture is, is highlighting the fact that God himself is love, and that the love you and I know is, is like a, a piece of his DNA that was given to us, then, then you really haven't really spent any time inside this book to see how vast and how wide love is. This is our God, and this is who he, he isn't just trying to be or trying to do, but, but he, is, he is really actually it in existence. He is love in existence. This is a really huge and difficult and, well, overwhelming thing to let your mind uh, dive into. It's this idea that, in other words, God's characteristic isn't these different things and love. God actually is love existing. Everything God does is impelled and influenced by his love. The Bible also says that since true love is part of God's nature, God is the source of all love. I always thought that was interesting. I was, I was talking with someone who uh, wasn't a Christian, and they were talking about how, how uh, basically they don't believe in my God because, uh, because my God says he is the only God, and they believe in some of these other gods, and, and that, that uh, these other gods, the reason he felt the other gods were real is because they knew how to love people. And he was talking about all these kind of abstract ways of love. And I said, oh, no, no. When you think about God and you think about love, when you think about your God and you think about whatever your God's version of love is, that can also be my God because my God is the source of all love. Not, he just doesn't love people well like, like it is him. And he looks at me <laughs> and he's like, are you trying to say that a little bit of your God's and my God? And I said, well... Kinda. What I'm trying to say is that whatever you see in your God that draws you, the source of that love, it comes from the one and only true God who is the source of all things and the source of all truth and the source of all hope and the source of all love. And it led us into this incredible conversation that I would say actually ended up being very loving because we could find this connection in our God and the love that he shares. He is, our God, the initiator of a loving relationship with us. Since he is the source of love, all love first came from him. This means any love we have for God is simply a response to his sacrifice for us. This is a, a really big deal for those of you who are on a journey with God right now and you're trying to figure it out and you're like, I'm gonna perform and I'm gonna do better and I hope this year's the year when I get my stuff worked out so God will love me. I'm just here to tell, me that, tell you that's just bad Bible. Like, like God is the initiator of love, the source of love. The Bible's littered with his love for you. And no matter how many hearts you've broken or how broken your heart is, our God loves you first. He is initiating that love for you, and there's not a thing you have to do to receive it. That's a big deal on Valentine's Day. See, Valentine's Day is, is one of those holidays that you gotta be really careful when you wish somebody a happy Valentine's or encourage them around Valentine's. I learned uh, this a while ago in ministry, and so you'll notice that uh, none of the crew that came in today to, to help out did I wish a happy Valentine's because I'm not really sure where every person's love life is this particular week. And if you ever wish someone a happy Valentine's who doesn't want to be alone on Valentine's, it's not a pretty sight. Like they're like, oh, really? 
Last year was a good Valentine's. And I'm like, oh, my bad. Valentine's is something people either love or they loathe. It just depends on where you're at inside your story. But that's not how God is. God doesn't love you one day and then loathe you the next, depending on where you are in your story. God loves you right where you are because God is the source and God is the initiator of love. It is his and him alone. And I love that. 1 John 4.10, this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. So there it is in a nutshell. The verse itself is letting you know it is God's move, it is God's path, for it is how God operates. This is teaching us that our human understanding of love is flawed and incomplete, but the more we look at Jesus, the better we understand true love because it is who he is. Christ's love is the only always and unfailing love. He's the only one that, that beyond the shadow of a doubt, will always love you no matter what. Next, the Bible says that this same love motivated God to save the world. We teach this in Sunday school, but we don't really drive it into the idea that it's a response because of who God is. It's not God saying, oh, you guys need some help, and oh, you guys are lonely, and oh, Danny's really broken, and I'm going to come help him out. No, God cannot help himself when it comes to the way in which he loves because, of course, he is love. And so he sees the world and all of its brokenness, and he responds in who he is by sending himself, by sending his son. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. The whole thing came out of God's love for the world. He is the great inventor of Valentine's Day. He is the great lover of humanity. It's beautiful and it's profound. God's love is best seen in the sacrifice of Christ on our behalf. First John 4, 9, and this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. The way in which Jesus came is the very highest example of love. God saw somebody that didn't deserve it. God saw a situation that, that didn't warrant it, and he said, I'm going to go and remedy that situation. I am going to go and enter into that relationship, and I am going to restore it all through love. This is, this is kind, of, kind of bouncing off of our friendship talk last week. God says, if you, if, you, if, you, if you are my friends, you'll obey me. And he's saying friends because his, his being, his desire to be in relationship and connection with you and I is all based on love. That's what friendship is supposed to be based on. This example of someone who shows up willing and ready to help and to serve and to hold another. This is important because God's love does not require us to be worthy to receive it. His love is truly benevolent and gracious. Romans 5.8, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It's just, it's just so simple when you really slow down and look at it that that we serve a God who is so willing to give of himself and give of his story that the only thing I have to do is turn around and recognize it. This is how our God operates. This is 
who our God is. Lastly, the Bible says that God's love for us in Christ resulted in our being brought into his family and that nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ. 1 John 3, 1, see what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. Now, I don't know who in here this Valentine's Day is feeling alone or feeling rejected or feeling sad, but I think it's pretty profound that God himself wants to lavish his great love on you not based on your behavior, not based on your attitude, not even based on whether you choose to love him back, but simply based on the fact that you are and that he is. You are you, valuable as you are, and he is God, invaluable and love. And so God walks hand in hand with humanity, waiting for people to recognize him and this lavish love that he's pouring out. Romans 8, 38 and 39 says, for I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's not just that God is love, that's how God loves. And it is a love that cannot be removed. It's a love that cannot be peeled away. It's a love that, that is not only lavished upon us, but it is a hesed love, a steadfast love, okay? That's where the word kesed comes from, is that Hebrew word hesed, and it's this beautiful, merciful love. I had a professor tell me it's a mother's love, and he gave the odd illustration that's always worked for me when it came to how God loves me. He said, it's like the son that went to prison for this heinous, terrible crime, and all his friends and all his extended family and everybody rejected him because of the failure he was and the danger he was and the damaged person he was. And on the day when he walked out of prison, the only person that was in the parking lot was his mother waiting with open arms to love him home. And he said to me with tears in his eyes, I've never forgot it, Danny, that's kessed love. That's how God loves you. That that changed my life. That changed my story. That changed the, my, my, everything that I had going on internally warped when I realized that, that our Bible is teaching all these beautiful things about God's intentionality, about the depth, about how powerful it is. It gave me so much freedom to, to look deeper within myself at, at the, the ways I not only don't love other people around me, but if I'm really being honest, at a lot of the ways I don't love myself. At a lot of the ways I, I hold myself hostage or I don't show mercy to myself or I don't have grace, I don't have cast love upon myself. And when you don't do that for yourself, it becomes really natural not to do it for anybody else. And so you walk around desiring love, wanting to experience love, wanting, wanting a piece of that, of that wholeness that's out before you that you see in the movies or in the songs like Whitney sang, and you don't feel it in your external life or in your internal life because nowhere inside your story do you feel it for yourself. But God loves you in spite of that too. He cherishes you in spite of that too. And so my hope as you just kind of received a bunch of these verses and kind of this, this biblical understanding of love is that something inside your brain clicks this Valentine's weekend that you suddenly realize, oh, God's love isn't performance-based. It's not, it's not based on, on how many 
you know, of life's chocolates I buy him. It's not, it's not based on, on, on how good I am or, or, how, or even how bad I am. It's just based on the fact that he is love and I belong to him. And if you can love from that place, if you can love from that place internally, if you can, can line up, if I can line up those spaces internally, then maybe, maybe, I can learn to love my brother and my sister, no matter their melodia, externally. This is how our God loves. He loves us inside, no matter what's happening around the outside. And I hope today, whatever you're carrying with you, wherever you're sitting and, and watching, that, that that brings some kind of new and pleasant warmth to your life, because people, people hurt people. It happens. We're going to talk about that in just a moment, but, but God, he is available, and he is waiting, and he is willing. So let's talk about those people. Let's talk about humans and love, and let's speak to the external. I want to read you a story that, uh, that uh, there's a, it's kind of funny, the, the first book, when I was about 14 years old, the very first book I read front to back was a book of sermon illustrations that my dad had when he was functioning as a youth pastor. And it was a huge book, huge book. But I got so caught up in all the different stories, you know, and you could look up a title, like Honor, and it would say that, and, or Truth, and it would have, you know, 50 stories of truth, just little short stories. And, it, and I, I read it over the course of about a week, uh, laying on, in our front room on the carpet, and, and I just remember being so emotionally connected to all these stories. And this is one of those stories under the category, love. Newspaper columnist and minister George Crane tells of a wife who came into his office full of hatred toward her husband. I do not only want to get rid of him, I want to get even before I divorce him. I want to hurt him as much as he has hurt me, she said. So Dr. Crane suggested an ingenious plan. He said, go home and act as if you really love your husband. Tell him how much he means to you. Praise him for every decent trait. Go out of your way to be as kind, considerate, and generous as possible. Spare no efforts to please him, to enjoy him. Make him believe you and love him. After you convince him of your undying love and that you cannot live without him, then drop the bomb. <laughs> Tell him that you're getting a divorce. That will really hurt him. With revenge in her eyes, she smiled and exclaimed, Beautiful beautiful. Will he ever be surprised? And she did it with enthusiasm, acting as if. For two months, she showed love, kindness, listening, giving, reinforcing, sharing. When she didn't return, Crane called her and said, are you ready now to go through with the divorce? She said, divorce? Never, she exclaimed. I just now discovered I really do love him. He goes on to say, I'll put it up here. Her actions had changed her feelings. Motion resulted in emotion. The ability to love is established not so much by fervent promise as often repeated deeds. There is a level of external love that's really, really important to people. You can't just like, and I would say that this is impossible, but let's just say for some reason you were like, okay, my heart's right, my mind's right the way I think about love and God and my fellow brothers and sisters in life, all those things are right, and then go out and just treat people like trash. 
but my insides are good. My internal's good with God. Danny gave a great sermon recently, all these verses. He showed me a wonderful biblical understanding of love. I got it. No matter what, God's gonna lavishly love me and, and I don't even have to do anything. I don't have to, like, like I, can just, I can just be me because of who God is and I'll receive love. And then go out and disrespect everyone in your world. There is an external element to love. The ability to love is established not so much by fervent promise as often repeated deeds, he said. And we need to get better and better and better at it. In his book, Mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis wrote, do not waste your time bothering whether you love your neighbor. Act as if you did. As soon as we do this, we find one of the great secrets. When you are behaving as if you loved someone, you will presently come to love him. When you decide that other people are valuable, when you decide to love people, frankly, like God loves you, on the outside, like God loves you on the inside, and you start treating people around you with love, your emotions become motions and suddenly start to feed your emotions, which become more motions, and suddenly you're not just in your mind going, I love these people. In your mind, you're actually loving people. You're serving people. You're connecting people. Perhaps this is why Christ commands instead of suggests that we love each other. He doesn't just be like, hey, you should like, probably love each other because I love you. It's pretty much a big deal. John 15, 12 says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. He's like, look, do it, do it. Maybe this is why it's a command because he knows. Once we start acting like we love people, we will suddenly love people. There was a, a little comic strip that went around recently. I'll put it up here on the screen. And this was, this, was, uh, this was something I found fascinating that somebody created. It's Jesus speaking. He says, be kind to everyone. Someone says, wait, even Gary? Yeah, Gary's the worst. Which, by the way, this isn't our Gary who's here up in our sound booth right now. Uh, it could be, but I don't, I don't believe it is. But wait, even Gary? Yeah, Gary's the worst. Jesus says, look, we've been through this. Yes, be kind to Gary as well. Then Gary says, ha, take that, losers. And Jesus says, not now, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> it could be you, Gary. I don't know. I, we all love you so much. But, but, but it's, it's just a really beautiful illustration around this idea that Jesus is like, you got to go love people. But, but like everybody, like even, and he's like, yeah, everybody. Not just people who have a different melodia than you. Not just people who have a different song than you. Not just people who have a different worldview or voted different or post different or whatever else is different. You and I are supposed to love everybody. Because love is who God is. The love of Christ is unlike all other love. It's, it's a new kind of love, this this love that Jesus gave us. Did you know that Christ's love for us, the recorded version of Christ's love for us, is so outside of our human, normally accepted concept for love that a new word had to be invented just to explain it? The word's agape. The Greek word for love, agape, seems to have been virtually a Christian event, invention. Agape is a new word for a new thing. And it started in the Old Testament when it was talking about Jesus and, and the fact that he was coming and God and how he would love his people, but it really took off in the New Testament. 
Apart from about 20 occurrences in the Greek version of the Old Testament, it is almost non-existent before the New Testament. Agape draws its meaning directly from the revelation of God in Christ. This idea that, that, that Christ, when he entered upon our planet, was literally a physical extension of who God is, and we just learned 10 minutes earlier, God is love. Therefore, Christ is a walking physical, touchable example of love on earth. Actual love. Not my warped version of love, not my messed up version of love, not my brokenhearted version of love, or even the love I desire. Actual, physical, walking, talking, touchable love. And his love was so different than all of humanity's understanding of love that the description for it became this word, agape. Agape, I'll put it up here, is not a form of natural affection, however intense, but a supernatural fruit that comes out of having relationship with God. This, this, if you really let yourself sink into this sort of cyclical love, what is love, God is love, God loves me, I love other people, but God is the bringer of love, but I'm supposed to be the bringer of God's love to other people, you can find yourself in a really interesting mind trap where you suddenly start to realize out of nowhere that maybe the reason you can't love people who are unlovable is because you've not fully connected with the love of God in your life first. And that it's actually not their fault they're so unlovable, it's your fault that you're so unloving. Because Jesus, he could love everybody. Because he was an extension of God who is love. And so as a Christ follower especially, this messed me up because there were people in my lives, I got to admit, I, I don't think I loved them like I was supposed to. And I was like, well, it's because their behavior is so sideways or their leadership is so sideways or the example they set or the damage they've done, all these different reasons and all these different things. And none of them are, are, are inappropriate reasons to draw good and healthy boundaries. But when I saw them, when I thought about them, I actually first, if I was honest, thought, of hate. I thought of darkness. I thought of, of curses. I thought, I don't want good things for those people. And if you gave me a choice to have those people be healed and whole, I don't think I'd want it because of their behavior. And I had a little classification system. We all do, by the way. If you actually write it down sometime, it'll scare you to death. But you, we all have a little mind classification system that we kind of draw things out. And we're like, I would love anybody in my life unless they did this. And then that's when my love would stop. We all have that. Stop being all weird and acting like you don't. You just didn't know it yet. You're all sitting there like, can you believe he just said that? Hey, I'm just telling you, God is love. I'm not God. And when I'm not connected with God and when I'm not connected to the intimacy that God has for me in my life, and I don't have God's love to give for other people, then I'm just Danny who's human and limited and judgmental and arrogant and egotistical and prideful and angry. And there's still people that I can love outside of that, but there's a whole lot of people that they fall below my, my line, my melodia of acceptance I love all the music up till here, and then this is just, this isn't even music. This is just noise, irresponsible noise, hurting people's ears. But 
God comes on the scene as this tangible, touchable version of love. And he says, here's the deal. I command you to love other people. But God, I don't know how to love other people. And you're commanding me? That's not really fair, is it? Especially with my limited view of love. And he's like, oh, good one. I wonder what you need to do in order to love people how I've commanded you. Hmm. Be better connected with you? That's a great idea. Gary? Fantastic. It's a great idea. We can love all the Garys in our life if we love God how he loves us because it is God's love through us that pours out of us and loves the Garys. And if we don't love the Garys in our lives because they've somehow fallen below our moral standards, then it's probably more about us being unloving than them not being up to the behavior we're supposed to have. Thank God that God doesn't view us how we view Gary. Man, I'm sorry, Gary, about this, that you're the illustration for today, but happy Valentine's. It's just a really cool mind kind of thing that you're like, oh, man, the more I love God, the more God loves me, the more I love other people. And one kind of, kind of a weather radar around how well you're loving God is how well you're loving other people. If your internal's off, your external's warped. And yet most of us judge how loving other people are by only their external, because I can't tell their internal. And I'm like, well, you didn't really serve at the soup kitchen. You didn't help the less than. You don't go to church. We have all these external, again, things that we measure people by. And God comes along and he's like, yeah, that has nothing to do with it. Love me and watch what love I give you for other people. I command you to love other people, which means God commands you to do the impossible driving you to your knees to ask for help, to confess your need, to recognize the sacrifice of the cross, to lean in upon the story of Jesus and to receive that love, which ultimately leads to the loving of other people. This word agape is the best word that describes that love that Jesus has for us. A love that comes from God in spite of how I treat the son or his gift of life. I like this quote. It is the love that exists outside a matter of will rather than feeling. This is why this love is the basic element in Christ's likeness, for Christians must love even those they dislike. In essence, in the name of human love, love that's external as well as internal, it is love in motion. Jesus was love in Motion, love in movement, external, always moving outward and encompassing. He goes into a little bit of depth around it in Matthew 5. He says, I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You, therefore, must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. That's that love people, love your enemies, love people who harm you. Do it because I command you. Your job is to be perfect, but I can't be perfect. Exactly. So you lean into Jesus 
the story of the cross, you accept the sacrificial love in motion of his life being poured forth for you. You pick up that grace that you don't deserve. You are filled with love that, that you shouldn't have. And suddenly you're so overflowing with this new love, this, this agape love, this love beyond human comprehension, beyond understanding that all you can do is love unlovable people because they're so much a reminder of you. And they see it in your eyes, and they see it in your heart, and they see it in your mouth, and you walk around cherishing and holding and, and sacrificing, and you don't have to post about it. You don't even have to tell people about it. It's just an outpouring of who you are because of who God is in you. This is what Valentine's Day, I think, is supposed to be kind of most about. I get that it's about the love we all have for each other and our, our, especially our intimate relationships, but ultimately it's really about love. But it should be, at the highest level, always about this love. About the love that we can never, ever, ever fully consume. About a love that is waiting for you and I right now. It is Jesus saying, as I have shown you, show others. As I am to you, be to others. And I think it's because he knows how difficult external love is for us. My daughter works at a coffee shop here in town. And just last week, she was talking to me about being a Christian in this kind of secular environment and, 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 and you know, kind of the, the way that she, that she ministers and loves and tries to connect and encourage she goes, but I gotta be honest, Dad. I gotta be honest. We really dread the Sunday after church crowd. And I said, I don't know what you're talking about. And she goes, oh, Dad, we fight not to be on that shift. I said, what shift? She goes, the shift, like 12 to 2, right after all the Christians get out of church. I said, what? She goes, Dad, they are the rudest, meanest, most frustrated. I said, you, you cannot be for real. She goes, Dad, I'm just telling you. I mean, she used to not have to work Sunday, so it's new for her too. But she goes, you can tell it, you can see it. She actually sent me this meme just the other day when church is over and you're on your way to verbally assault a waitress. And I was like, what? She goes, yeah, dad, this is, this is what I'm talking about. I asked some other people who worked around town in our city on Sundays. Not a single one of them said that that wasn't true. They were like, oh man, Sundays, Sunday afternoons are the worst. Now, I thought about it, and at first I thought, well, maybe it's because you're so convicted by these messages, and you're, like, frustrated that you need to change your life. And then I was like, no, that's not fair. That can't be it. You don't get to go be unloving to people because you felt like God wants to change something in your life. And then I realized maybe that's exactly what's happening, is you are feeling a little overwhelmed. I am feeling a little overwhelmed. I am feeling a little powerless. And then suddenly, I want to be powerful, and so the lady who hands me my coffee deserves a quick snap, or no tip, or a mean look, or a huff. Can you believe that in our day and age right now, with all the beauty that we have, with all the opportunity we have, with, with this freedom to worship that we have, this Bible that we have, that we still in our community as, are known as one of the worst crowds on one of the most holy days? And it's all tied to our love. Maybe, maybe what we need this Valentine's Day is a new word for a new thing. Maybe what we need is both together these two points, the external and the internal, the mended hearts 
and the loving motion. Maybe what we need is to be like Jesus more. But maybe we can't do that till we receive his love in our lives. And so here's what I want to do. I want to have the worship team come out. And I'm going to give an opportunity for anybody in the room who has never received the love of God in their life, who, who feels convicted right now by what God is doing, not by my words, but like what God is doing in your story right now, who feels this tug that they're like, I'm not loving because I've, I've not ever received the love of Christ. I want to give you an opportunity to do that. But I think there's a larger crowd, both, both here and, and, and watching at home, I think there's a larger crowd of people that you've just accepted the love of God and you've never really taken any time to realize what that's supposed to mean for you. And you need to repent. I need to repent. You need to refresh. You need to restart. You need to recognize that, that you're unplugged more than maybe you have been due to this year, due to the stress, and you are judging everybody's melodia, and you're just sometimes downright mean. And it's because you don't spend time with God to be filled with his love, and so you're not very loving. And not just to strangers at the coffee shop, to your family, to the people sitting in the room with you right now. You're You're punishing them because of the emptiness you feel inside and it doesn't have to be that way. So I'm gonna give you an opportunity to pray as well. So let's just bow our heads. Let's just take a minute. Let's just feel whatever emotions we're feeling as we think about love. Let's recognize that some of us have been abused with this word. We've had our heart broken with with this word, but that this word in its purest form, that's not the love I'm talking about, this human love that hurts, but this agape love, this new word for a new thing love, this love that is the external presence of God. If you have never accepted into your internal this love that God did for you, I'm gonna ask you just to pray a really simple prayer right now. Say, God, it's me. I recognize that your son came here as an external example of of, of your loving kindness, your chesed love for me. And I'm gonna ask, Lord, that you come into my heart, that you forgive me for the ways that I have been unloving, that you begin to mend me back together to be a whole new person and to love in a whole new way. Next, for the people in the room that they need to repent, they need to uh, ask for forgiveness. They need to, to be reset or restored. I'm gonna ask, Lord, that you would just highlight for them where they are right now, how they've been unloving. That you would gently and simply convict them, whether it's with their mouth or, 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 or by being passive aggressive or by being verbally uh, assaulting or, or even physically assaulting, God, that you would just deeply convict them around their unlovingness that you would cause them to remember their first love with you. That you would cause them to be reminded that you love them in spite of their performance and that maybe they should start loving people around themselves in spite of theirs. I ask, Lord, that this Valentine's weekend would just be a special place for good conversations as we're, as we're sitting at home. Maybe we decide to be more loving. We create some space to reflect upon this now. We lift it all up to you. In Jesus' name.
Amen. out together. Jesus, light the first love fire. Come and be our one desire. Jesus, light the first love fire. Come and be my one desire. Jesus, light the first love fire. Come and be my one desire, Jesus, light the first love fire. Come and be my one desire, Jesus, light the first love fire. Come and be my one desire. 
Have a great rest of your week. We'll see you next time.